I'm Rob. I'm Richard. I'm Tom. And this is episode 48, The End, also known by some as encased in concrete, concrete on the outside, or entombed, but I think generally regarded as being The End. Sorry to interrupt, I don't think anyone knows it by any other name. Whoever made up those (laughs) other ones are just rubbish. (laughs) This was first broadcast on the 5th of May 1975, once again a Monday at 9pm. What did we all think? Another one that's got a reputation as a classic? Top 10. Top 10? What do you reckon, Richard? I really like the bottle episode or the elevator episodes or whatever you want to call them. So this gets bonus points for me just to start. But I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this. Loved it as a kid. Loved it as an adult. I love it now. It was far better than I expected. For reasons that we'll discuss as we go into it, it didn't sit always that well with me as a kid. And I remember it as being very much the poor cousin to euthanasia. Were you scared by Rastus Watermelon? Is that what it was? <laughs> uh, no, it was, actually, it was actually the last five minutes that kind of threw me more than anything. Plus, I think some of the, the jokes just went completely over my head. If I wanted to be controversial, I'd say that probably the last couple of minutes is where it doesn't quite land. It's very, very odd. But it right. is also a very adult episode of The Goodies in that there's no filmed inserts. There's not that much slapstick. And all of the content is actually quite adult material. Yes, it is. There, there, there is no sort of... A, a meaning a kid can take and then an extra meaning adults can take there's just the adult meaning so that that did mean that it is one that I hadn't gone back to that often but I've watched it this time and yeah with a couple of exceptions I thought it was really really good that said though and something I want to come back to as we discuss it to what extent is it just a basically a goody sketch show well that's what I was thinking yesterday when I watched it again this is a, a selection of sketches that work it, it, it is it is because it's broken by captions and you obviously have the very thin thing you know, a year later, a bit after that, another <laughs> and year then later. seventy years later. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, we'll go on and explore the episode. It opens with the goodies who are now living apparently in Kew Gardens, <laughs> but it also opens with something extremely strange. Rob, you mentioned this before. Do you want to talk us through the first part? For a number of years, I've known that Bill is a great lover of all things feathered. Uh, he's a bird, bird watcher and a bird appreciator and all that yeah. sort of thing. And the episode starts with Bill looking at the window and he pulls a handgun off the table and shoots a bird dead. And I thought, that's strange. And it's a total not sequel Like, it doesn't lead into anything. No. It's just No, he's just obviously having a bit of fun. Mm. Yes. Probably just making fun of himself. Yeah, perhaps. But as a start to the episode, as you say, it's just sort of, oh, it's a bit strange. It yeah. is. We're then getting to the main plot of the episode, which is where we find out that Graham has been commissioned by a... Mr. Harry Highrise, Q groans from the audience. And it actually leads back to a joke in Camelot. It play on a chap called Harry Hyams, I assume it's pronounced, uh, who was a developer, and he created a quite controversial building somewhere in the centre of London that he was intended to sell for office space, but he was charging exorbitantly high rent, so nobody... Uh, it sat empty for years because nobody actually wanted to tenant there. There was some talk later, I think, of turning it into, uh, like, apartments for the homeless, but... Mm. But yeah, look, that, uh, that pun does get a large groan from the audience, yeah. Harry Highrise. But he's commissioned Graham to rebuild Kew Gardens as office blocks. 
Yes, which turned out to just be solid blocks of concrete. Yes, because nobody <laughs> could afford the rent, so why bother having windows and doors and offices? Yes, but Graham's thought of everything. So there's no windows and no doors because the rent would be astronomical, and there's no buildings inside to discourage the squatters. <laughs> <laughs> very clever model work, of course, though, where he has the very good model of uh, Kew Gardens with a little Chinese tower. And I, I did like the bit, and they do, this is a joke they do a bit, where he finally has to make a delicate adjustment and then yes. watch smashes it with a hammer. <laughs> back over I thought that was quite funny yeah and then puts the the concrete yes over the top over the top and he's missed a little piece of grass and puts the extra block on top this then leads into Bill saying oh some people be cross and Tim walks in I'm cross and I'm going to write to the Queen what's her address (laughs) yes and then he goes through the Queen's in the phone book Grayson but it's Larry Grayson who was apparently an effeminate comedian Uh, uh, whose act was an effeminate character Daniel LaRue yes uh, and the Queen's Park Rangers Yes. The football yes. team. And then, oh, Buckingham Palace. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> then he's trying to decide how to start off the letter, and it just ends with, oh, queen. <laughs> I did love the bit there where Graham spells his own name. Yes. Right. yes. Well, that was really funny. <laughs> that's very, very good. As he's Tim's dictating the letter, he says, Mr. Graham Garden, that's G-R-A-E, and Graham's crosses <laughs> Which is good, because I could never spell Graham correctly anyway. Tim realises that it's Graham that has been commissioned and asked the Queen to cut off his head. Yes. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> but they can't do anything because as Tim goes outside, he discovers that they've been... Yeah, now that's... Is the intention here that they've started the development regardless of the fact that the goodies are there? Yeah. I think that last bit of green was probably where the goodies house was and as soon as he put the block on it... In comes the concrete. In comes the concrete. Okay. Yeah, that was certainly how I took it. Now, there's two things we can sort of say at this point about the episode, and you know, never mind that it is just a comedy. The first is that I thought, well, realistically, if they're going to be in there for all that time, wouldn't they at least try and dig their way out? Well, that's what I would have thought you'd have tunnelled, but yes. yes. But of course, then that leads me to saying, if you're going to treat it realistically, how much air was there anyway? Yes, <laughs> so, well, that's the so other question. <laughs> so we've lampshaded that, that's fine. Confounding things with real science, I don't know. <laughs> So we then end that starting scene with them protesting and seeing we should not be moved. We then have our first time jump, which is to 16 days later, and they are watching the television, and the Queen basically says, you're heroes, and goodbye. <laughs> and they say, don't you mean au revoir? No. Goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> uh, so they make a phone call, and they uh, decide that they want to get onto the planning department, and the planning department's going to get back to them fairly quickly. But they're on strike. Yes. So we have our next time jump, which is to six months later. At this point, they get onto the planning department and they have another wonderful sequence with Graham where they go through all the projects they need to do before they do the... <laughs> is it Brighton to Birkenhead? Brighton to Birkenhead yes. freeway. Yes. Well, are we enjoying ourselves at this point? Yes. Oh, I was. And you see the audience getting more and more excited as they see the Norton Crosses get put on the map. Yes, with the flyovers, the roundabouts, yep. yep. All that sort of thing. And so he says when they finish all of that, they will be able to rescue the goodies. Yes, in one year, seven months, four, four days, days, three hours, five, five minutes, minutes plus the 10.3 seconds. And 10.3 seconds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because at this point, the goodies actually therefore do have a definitive timeline that they think they're going to be trapped for and they sort of plan for that of one year, seven months, etc. We then cut forward another time jump to one year, seven months, four days, three hours, five minutes, 10.3 seconds. Actually, no, not the 10.3 seconds. Well, it was three minutes. Three, three minutes. So yeah. still two minutes to go. That's right. And they have the thing, it's release day. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to make a comment here and say, 
Although the script here is very funny, I thought Tim Brooktail's attempt to act drunk was actually pretty woeful. <laughs> um, drunk acting is very hard to do, and I don't think he does it very well. Is it that just me? Look, it's a hard one, and for kids at home, don't drink Terps. Terps for, for burps. burps. <laughs> um, oh. yeah, it's, a, it's a hard one, but uh, very over the top. It, it is. I mean, I suppose Bill's meant to be drunk as well, but I suppose he doesn't really have that much in the way of dialogue, so mm. he can probably get away with it. And, of course, you've got various jokes in there, such as the, uh, he's pissed, oh, has he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose you get to go through a few of the drunk tropes, you know, like, you're my best friend in the whole world and I love you. But I think the one everybody remembers from this episode... And we've used often. Yes. I'm <laughs> going to miss you too, because I'm going to make damn sure I see neither of you ever again. <laughs> yes, we have used that in real life a few times. <laughs> and yet I'm still here. And of course, at this point, Graham is of the belief that as soon as they come through that door, he's going to be executed for what he did to Kew Gardens. Yes. And so he's got the blindfold on and they're waiting. He opens the door. Chop it off. Go Stop on. Going. And nothing happens. They turn on the TV and they find that the right to Birkenhead Freeway has been suspended indefinitely because of the nation's finances. <laughs> They've tried to put through to the Ministry of Works and then, of course, the telephone company cut them off because they haven't paid their bill. Yes, and the phone probably explodes and just looks at it. It's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the BBC announced a cutback of 100%. Uh, yeah, which the whole sequence ends with Bill saying we've been cut off from the outside world. We then have a... A bit later. A bit later is the next time jump. <laughs> where they now have to recreate society. <laughs> <laughs> and look, this, this is, I guess, kind of lampshading the whole division of the way the goodies have structured their entire troop. Yes, it's very clear that society has been founded on, on three distinct classes. <laughs> the leader class, the scientific and technical class, and the, the workers. workers. And of course, Bill's thing is... Come on, name the names. Who's who? <laughs> well, obviously, I am the scientist because you've got glasses. <laughs> and, and I am clearly a lord because you've got a punty double barrel name and no chin. Correct. <laughs> which means that, Bill, you are the worker. To which Bill replies, No, in this new society, we'll have an equal division of labour. Commie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then, of course, they start shouting. It's like, Good, political discussion. Very, very healthy. We're just shouting at each other. Exactly. <laughs> Tim then gives a speech which talks about his children and his children's children. The, the bit where Bill smashes the record, I think, is probably the most famous goodies blooper because they have several goes at that scene because the first time the sound guy started playing the music before they put the needle down on the record, <laughs> the second time the prop didn't work so the record wasn't spinning, and then the third time when Bill whips the record off and tries to smash it, the record doesn't break and they're actually <laughs> belting the thing again. At the, the bloopers are on, I think it's the first DVD, I, I think, think so. Yeah, it's one of them, yeah. Yeah, and that's why the audience give that massive cheer when he finally smashes the record. <laughs> Which does work because he gets that line of silent revolution. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very effective. And then, yeah, Richard, as you said, they have to decide how they're going to divide things such as time in the lavatory. After Tim's decided he wants a son. Yes. <laughs> I must they, have a son. I must have a son. Graham, you're a doctor. <laughs> Can't be done. <laughs> Which is, it is interesting, you know, it, it, it is a bit of a sketch about the makeup of society, but it does start to make those serious points and them adjusting to the fact that they're living the rest of their lives here and they're not as, going to... As bachelors gay. Yes. <laughs> There's an idea. <laughs> and it ends with Graham going into the lavatory 
and then we have our next time jump, which is two weeks later. <laughs> and he's had quite the experience. Yes. Yeah, so we then get into what I guess we could call the religion sketch. Yes, very much. It really is. I mean, this is a sketch that could be done almost as just, you know, in any sort of sketch comedy series, but it fits in very well here, which is this idea that after two weeks of considering the inevitable, they all very go and get religion, and we get a ramp up of that. So it starts off with Graham becoming a monk. He then finds out that Tim has become a Jew. Behind the times, Jews become a Jew six days earlier. Yes. And Bill has decided to become a Muslim. A black Muslim. A particularly black Muslim, yes. <laughs> Shall we discuss this scene? It is a slow ramp up because Graham comes out and he has, you know, that was a profound experience. And of course, you know, he felt that there was somebody else in the toilet with him. <laughs> How very embarrassing. I've got religion. Tim's like, oh, you're way behind. I got religion six days ago. Yes. Guess what religion I am, Ivo? Graham does a, well, better's not as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's ramped up because uh, yes. Graham, Graham's becoming a monk. He's played relatively straight. Yeah. Then you get a couple of the sort of London Jewish jokes with Tim being a Jew, then they go for the next level, which is Bill as a Muhammad Ali-style black Muslim. And, and I guess, look, for shock value, that really is the audience going nuts when he comes out. Well, that is my strongest, absolute strongest memory of watching the show when I, in the 70s when I was a boy. It's just Bill coming out, Rastus Watermelon. I think I used to quote that in the playground as well. It was just... <laughs> and even when I was watching this a couple of days ago, I laughed out loud. It's, I've become a black Muslim! Having said that, I think the Jewish jokes are probably more, I think, more pointed. Because sophisticated, could you say? I wouldn't have said sophisticated. I'd have said probably more pointed pointed because there's a bit, obviously, it's a synagogue. You want to buy it? (laughs) You don't look Jewish. And then, of course, Tim asks for the knife. (laughs) It is. And it's interesting, when you think about what uh, Islam would have been to British society in the mid-1970s, it kind of was what I think you could almost say Buddhism was in the 90s. And it's this sort of foreign exotic religion that, you know, trendy middle class people get. Um, you know, Cat Stevens has become Islam. You know, it's, that, it's that sort of strange exotic thing compared to what we sort of think of it today when we've had, you know, that Muslim immigration, we actually now know a lot more about it. Mm. It, it is kind of like Lisa becoming a, a Buddhist in The Simpsons. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, look, in Wacky Wales, they call them... They call them Mohammedans, I think, don't they? Which is an old term that you got in the 1800s from what I've read. Yeah, so it it actually does sort of kind of work as that that trendy thing. I mean, obviously, Ali, it's 10 years now since Ali became a Muslim and changed his name from Cassius Clay. As I said, you've had Cat Stevens in the meantime, but it was this middle-class sort of movement. I I suppose you've also got, I mean, if you want to delve in a little deeper, I suppose you've also got the different types of Islam because the nation of Islam, I, I think, in America, of course, was seen as being radically different. Something mm. more militant, yeah. yes. To, to traditional Islamic views, yeah. I, I think. And that was more about rejecting, obviously, re- rejecting the traditional churches, a, a religion just for the downtrodden and oppressed yeah, head, in, hence, in America. Hence Ali talks about Cassius Clay being his slave name and yes. Islam's freedom and all that sort of thing. Yes. It's, it's that sort of a thing, yes. which we don't really get any of these days. It's very much of its time. Mm. That doesn't necessarily make the whole blackface thing right, no. but but you can see the ramp up. You can see what they're doing, and it is a very different sort of gag in 1975 yeah. to what it is in 2017. Yes, oh, yes. I mean, I mean, it's kind of right. I mean, look, the, the, I mean, yes, it's a blackface joke. I think it's so absurd. I, I think that you can get the humour in it. I yeah. mean, I, I don't think it's many like <gasps> blackface. 
Um, but it's, I, it's also Bill's performance. Yes. I mean, it is so out there. It's right on the edge of... Uh, again, it's sort of that how do you do that yeah. type performance. Mm. But I was laughing during mm. that. It's yes. funny. It's pure fun. It is pure fun. But, and look, they, they pay homage to saying, oh, you just want to be like Cassius Clay. And so belt people. And belt people. Yeah. So it, it they're, they're absolutely vibrating. Absolutely saying, that's the only reason why you're doing this. Mm. You know? Yeah. And he's not disagreeing with them either. No. <laughs> so after they have their little bit with religion, we then get our next time jump, which is to a year after that. By this stage, things are getting a little bit desperate. Yes. They're running out of food or have run out of food. That they have today, we ate the last of the food. Yes. We then get the little bit with Gilbert the Mice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and first we have the bit with the... Oh, I put aside a bit of food for an occasion just such as this. Hang on, there was a cornflake in here. <laughs> and you'll note, if you look at the box... Yes, they blotted out the Kellogg's. Yes, yes that's the B- first time I've ever noticed that. Yeah, BBC obviously can't be seen in product placement. No, correct. And then, yes, then they talk about Gilbert... Tim's little mouse, which he decides he's actually quite plump and yummy, and goes with him. Graham, stop him! No, you, you, you'll hate yourself in the morning. Don't, you can't eat poor little Gilbert. Then goes and eats him. <laughs> and then he does the standard thing of uh, yeah. Oh yes, shoulder, he's a little off the shoulder a bit. Yes. <laughs> At that point, uh, Graham takes Tim aside and says that whilst there is not enough food for three, there might be enough food. So you're saying we're going to have to eat you? you. <laughs> yes. And that's no, no, no. <laughs> yes. When you think about it, these sequence of events underneath the humour, there is a quite a thick vein of darkness. Oh, we're there is. Cannibalism yes. for starters, and you know, isolation and entombment and all that. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that that vibe of darkness was something that I picked up as a kid mm. and did make it sit slightly odd with me yeah. at a young age not because you necessarily knew what the joke was and understood it but you just knew it was unpleasant mm. Mm. but as an adult it's wonderful it reminds me of watching Mother and Son which for those who aren't Australian is probably the only successful Australian sitcom that's you know, well regarded when I watched that the premises of that the premise of that is a um, old lady who's sort of wrestling with senility and and dementia and the like, and her middle-aged son. And when I watched that as a kid, I thought it was very funny because it's just, you know, an old lady and son being silly. Then as a teenager, you realise what's going on. I think it's utterly, utterly depressing and not funny at all. Then as an adult, you actually get the dark humour and find it quite funny again. It and is, I, and they're, they're, how they're both trapped in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, and I found this is, I think this is the same with this episode. When you're very young, it's just them being silly and, you know, Billy Blackface and all those to it. Then you get the darkness but not quite get the humour. And then, as an adult, you actually get the real dark humour. I think it is quite a sophisticated episode like and I that. think it's, this is why episodes like this and Euthanasia linger longer in the memory because of that very fact. Yeah. Mm. Um, even though they haven't quite got the set pieces, they've, they've got mm. that really intense humour. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to the cannibalism, <laughs> they decide to draw the long straw. I remember that scene quite vividly as a kid, particularly the way that Tim just breaks down when he thinks that he's pulled it. And then, of course, Bill comes in, oh, long straw, I can do that. <laughs> Pulls out the, the three-foot long straw. <laughs> oh, one, huh? <laughs> it, yeah. Just tell me, is it something to do with food? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, of course, they decide they have to actually kill Bill. And you know, the, the, the exchange between uh, Tim and Graham, oh, I, I, I thought you were going to. No, no, no I'm, I'm doing the, the sauce. sauce. <laughs> 
play Dead Strangers. It's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. It's really underplayed up. by Graham so well yeah. in that yeah. scene. Yeah. Oh. And just the whole thing goes, well, how can we do it? It's Bill. Can we Boiled. Cook? <laughs> <laughs> Roasted. Fried, of course. <laughs> and it, it ends with uh, Bill coming over with an apple and some garnish and then saying, yeah, no, we can do this. And the apple goes in the mouth, hog style. Well, I do actually hark back to the religion because Tim says he can't eat him because he's not kosher. <laughs> Or indeed, they could have him as Bill Kebabs. <laughs> they fade to black on that one. As I think they, they didn't quite know how to finish that. No. So they do, a, they do a nice fade to black. And then when it comes up, Bill's had the idea of eating the furniture, which has saved his life. You know, lucky, lucky for you, I thought of eating the furniture. I'm as lucky as you are. <laughs> <laughs> which leads to the dinner table scene, which again is just another sketch, mm. which is them uh, having figments of their imagination. So uh, Bruce... Charlie. Charlie. And again, just you know, that ramp up as one sees an invisible friend, the other does as well. And then you think that Graham's the same one and he's looking through a book and he pulls down the book's imaginary. Yes. And then he starts, you know, stepping over all the imaginary objects. And, and running upstairs. Op- and... Yep. Opening the door and then you know, he trips over the door. <laughs> I, I had a note here, actually. Graham's physical comedy in that is really, really well done. Yes. It is. It's very, very good. And then, of course, they wind up in Tim's bath. <laughs> <laughs> And having to wring out their trousers. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, it closes with, I don't know how much more of this I can take. <laughs> so you don't have to. Because then it's 70 years later. Yes. Yes. This is where the episode does start to fall apart a little bit for me. I've written down here that, okay, so you've got the, the gag of them playing I Spy with the chair, which is because it's the only object left in the room. Yes. And that, that that's fine. Then, so they're both... Clearly now, you know, a hundred odd. Yes. And Bill comes out completely unaged and dances, <laughs> then trips over and says, I'm going, I'm going. And then does the same thing the following year. Yeah. Did, did, did that, did you get that? Or I just found it really odd. Um, well, to backtrack just a slightly bit, the Tim and Graham were playing Teddy and Freddy, which is from, I, oh, I'm sorry, yes. I'll read that again. So they yes. play two old doddering gentlemen. So it yeah. was just a continuation of, uh, long-running bits and pieces they were doing yeah. back in the 60s. And they did the old mix-up with, I've forgotten what an umbrella looks like. I've forgotten what a woman looks like. like. Yes. <laughs> and and look, yeah, that works. Did, did you notice that they've had the posters of David Cassidy and David Essex yeah. on the wall behind them for the Do you notice in that last scene they've put beards on them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for some reason Bill hasn't aged and for some reason he falls over and starts dying and then does the same thing a year later. It, it just seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah, if I, if I had to pick a weak point in the episode, this, this would be it. Mm. And then they come back another year after that. and I'm still going. Yeah, and Tim and Graham are now just skeletons. Yes. Bill's 108th birthday. Yes. yes. So you can actually plot what year that would be. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and at the very last moment, Bill hears a knock on the door and then dies. Yes. yes. And then the three bodies in space costumes yes. come through. Almost Star Trek costumes. Well, yes. well they're complete with actual yes. star, Starfleet logos Yogos, yeah. Yeah. on the chest. And then they take off their helmets and their, you know, the future goodies. Yes, you know. in- including Graham as Mr. Spock. Yes, <laughs> and strange you know, ponytail hair for Tim and all that sort of thing. A, a proto-man bun. <laughs> <laughs> 
30 years ago, 40 years Yes, that's right. Oh no, we were too late. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim, of course, now has got the adaption that he can play Land of Hope and Glory just by pushing a button on his suit. <laughs> yeah, that's quite good. It's very good. Um, and they then get stuck inside the collapsing building. And the cycle begins again. And the cycle yes. begins again. Mm. Although presumably, as they've still got their device for getting them in, they could cut their way out. Well, in theory, yes. Yeah. But yes, it is done as a, the cycle starts again. Yes. Again, it's the, it's the darkness. I mean, Bill lives long enough to almost escape and then dies and these three saviours make their way in and then are in two zones. It is incredibly dark. And, and again, I hark back to me being a kid, being very young, and watching Bill slowly die. Mm. Like, you know, the two of them that just sort of, you know, there's a cut and now there's skeletons. Okay, that's fair enough. But watching Bill sort of slowly die, actually, mm. again, is quite a dark thing. Look, I see your point because... Did he the, eat them? No, I can see your point, Dave, because the rest of the episode is played for laughs a mm. lot. And this last couple of minutes is... It's more sombre, yes. in a sense. To, to the point of them in, being in bed. I mean, the, the, the whole I spy bit with the chair was still played for laughs. Mm. It was the it was the umbrella and the woman. You know, I used to have a big black woman with a woman cane handle. handle. That's right. All there was there for that misdirection like the, the bingo fairy floss scene from Romantics. But yeah, after that it was just that was petering it out. Yeah. Yeah, look, it was and I don't want to give the wrong impression. I love it now and watching it this time I just was laughing for half an hour. And I really do get and really appreciate the adult darker humour. I think it's really, really good. I'm just reflecting upon this is one where my view has changed as I've got older yeah. in the last 20 years. Okay. Who knows, in 20 years' time, we could look at it again and be completely depressed by it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, as our own approaching mortality. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the other thing is that in a, in a couple of seasons' time, they do a very similar thing again with euthanasia. And I've often regarded this as being euthanasia's poor cousin, but we'll reassess that when we get to that episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Any more points before we get to our regular segment? I know this is one of the goodies' favourite episodes. I mean, because they, they, they all get something to do. Yes, they all get something to do. And apparently, I, I think Bill and Tim particularly, because they really like the interplay between the three characters. Yeah, and there's bits and pieces. Like, I think the end of the religion sketch was almost, Graham, I'm going to take a vow of silence. You'll never keep it up. Oh, yes, I will. Oh. Yeah, which <laughs> comes back to that idea of it being very much a sketch comedy sort yeah. of approach, you know, with everything having its own length. It's interesting what you say there, Richard, about it being a favourite amongst the three of them. Why they didn't do more of these? Well, they probably do as we start to get on, because uh, if you look at the early seasons, there's really nothing like this there. No. Pirate Radio Goodies is the first one where there's no guest cast, but I suppose they've had a couple of goes at it by now. They did the Stone Age, and they did the Lighthouse, yep. really, are the first two iterations. But we probably do get some more of it going on. I mean, the combinations of the Earth and Asia. Mm. Um, got quick notes I had. Bill seems to call Tim a bitch. One point there, it's a scene where he says if he shaves his beard off, he looks a bit like Liza Minnelli. And Tim says, oh, I've wondered why you grew it. And he appears to actually, if you listen very carefully at the end of that, he actually appears to say, you bitch, at the okay. end of it. Um, the other note I had, where the BBC announced their 100% cutback, you notice they don't actually mention ITV. They would have had another channel they could have watched. Well... I guess not. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you would have thought it would have left itself open until we've still got ITV. Yeah, right, we've lost all contact with the outside world. <laughs> See, I would have thought you'd have done a joke like that. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, they don't mention the fact there's radio either. Well, I, they probably edit. I think it comes back to there being no oxygen. and. and yeah, well, that's it's true. Just, just, um, and before we move into the uh, other segments, there appears to be an edit around the point where they're looking at the model. Because if you, where mm. Graham says he's being paid fifty thousand yeah. pounds, there's a jump 
and we come back to Bill sitting the model back up again, and there just appears to be a gap in the dialogue. Whether it's an alternate take, perhaps. Hmm, possibly. On that note, we'll move into our regular segments, firsts and tropes. There's a patriotic speech, or an attempt at one. Uh, it is actually the first time, I think, where we see Tim's panic mode is, I'm a teapot, I'm a teapot. Yes, which I have to say I've been waiting for because I've never liked that. I've never got what it was. And it's interesting to see that this being the first one, and it doesn't really come out of anywhere other than he's just being strange. No, apparently it actually came out of something that happened in real life. They were doing an appearance somewhere. Yeah, I think it was about one of the records. Yeah, too. and he was really nervous beforehand because I don't think he really wanted to do it. He got really panicky and that was sort of what he came out with. I'm a teapot, I'm a teapot. And the other two have obviously picked up on it and written it into the script. Mm, right. Because eventually he's saying, I'm a teapot on one of the other ones. Yes. Mm. Yeah, because it's just a very much in the background here, but it does become a trope as it goes on. It, it does. We get another appearance from Corbett Woodall. Mm. Yes. And yes. Queen. Yes, and, and Sheila uh, Sheila Staple is the queen. And of course, yeah. they all die at the end. Indeed. And Graham with an animal. Yes. What couldn't they get away with today? Probably some of the religion sketch would be where I would yeah. be a little yeah. bit unsure. Look, yeah. as you say, I do get the humour around the uh, the Muslim thing. I think the times kind of justified. I, I did find a couple of the Jewish jokes a little bit too near the knuckle for me. Yeah, I think you'd cut that. I mean, the only cut that was made here and again, we talk about Australian edits, is the line about Bill being pissed. Has he? Yes. <laughs> mm. uh, but otherwise, I think that, look, it's not typical goodies humour, but I think it's all very broadcastable. Yeah, yeah. Not definitely. Yeah. Well, I think this is a great episode. Yes. Fair enough. So, favourite gags, Richard? Well, I had a couple, and I, I suspect they might be ones others might have grabbed, so it's good that I get to get in first. The one I'll go with is, a man isn't a man unless he exercises his right to fatherhood. You can exercise it all you like, mate, but you won't find any use for it down here. <laughs> and the audience goes nuts at that one. Yes. yes. Uh, Rob, what about you? Uh, Tim's lament for the fact that he won't have children. I must have a son, and then he turns to Graham. Graham, you're a doctor. <laughs> I, I laughed and laughed at that. That was great. I'm just got the simple one with Graham take a letter these developers Graham that's G-R-A-E-M-E and Graham's crossing it out so yeah I almost went for that one but I'm actually going to go for the smash of the record and the silent revolution just because of the way that it smashes that goodies trope and the interplay between them and that's quite interesting because I was sure somebody was going to go for I'm going to miss you too because I'm going to make damn sure I never see either of you ever again there's a lot or is that too obvious that's, that's a way of life <laughs> There are a lot in here to choose from. So that wraps up what has been a run of classic episodes. We'll see if we continue that run next week when we have the special episode, Goodies Rule OK. And while you're taking your xylophone to checkers, why don't you take a walk in the Black Forest? You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. So, as I understand it, um, we're going to be stuck in here, the three of us, together, with no one else, for another one year. Seven months. 
four days. Three hours. Five minutes. And 10.3 seconds. Correct. Right. Um, hands up those who think we should panic now. Me. <laughs> I'm a teapot! I'm a teapot! 